Hi, this is Sean Benson from Harvest Church in Warrensburg, Missouri. I want to thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. For more resources, log on to harvestwarrensburg.com. Wow, are we doing good? We're doing good. Jesus is doing good. How many of you know Jesus doesn't get stuck? You know, I, 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 love that, I love that Jesus is sitting at the right hand of Father, interceding for, the, for us, for you and me. Don't you love that? You think that Jesus doesn't get his prayers answered? You all right? Yeah. Jesus gets his prayers answered. You think that's true? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if, if God says that, that when we pray, he hears us, and if he hears us, we know that we have the answers to our prayers, how much more Jesus, who's in heaven, praying perfect prayers to the Father. He's going to get his prayers answered, right? How many appreciate that Jesus is praying for you right now? And that means that, yeah, come on. That means all is not lost. That means you've got an immense amount of hope, whatever you're facing. You realize that? You have an immense amount of hope, <laughs> no matter what you're facing, no matter what your trial, no matter what your experience has been, Jesus is interceding for you right now. <laughs> That's so good. Yeah, we just yield to him. Yeah, isn't that it? We just yield we don't strive to get there. We don't strive to enter his presence. We yield. He's already paid the price. He's already done everything that's necessary. We thank you for that this morning, Jesus. We thank you for that this morning. Yeah, you're so good. So for us. So for us. A text going off on my phone while I'm speaking is a good reminder that it should be on the stand instead of my pocket. Thank you to whoever you were. Man, a couple of weeks ago, well, first of all, did we like Scott Ingram last week? Yeah. Man, that was good. Yeah, we can give him some applause even though he's not here. You know? That's just, that's just, that's just cool, man. He's the guy, I bet that guy's got endless stories, don't you think? Just endless stories of God's goodness and tough places. And, you know, just, it's just neat. I just love missionaries and what they do. And, and again, just a reminder that we're all missionaries, right? That means, we, that means I love you. So I said, I love missionaries. And you're all missionaries. So see there, you're secure. You're in good shape. We're missionaries to this place. This is America. And we feel like sometimes that stuff can only happen when we go overseas. That's just not true. That's an absolute and utter lie. You're not, only, you're not a missionary just to go overseas. You don't see God break in and do cool stuff just because you go overseas. God can break in and do cool stuff right here with you and your neighbor. Now, by now, if you're a part of a destiny group, you should be praying for your neighbors, come to think of that. We should be, and if you're not a part of your destiny groups, you should be praying for your neighbors, say so we're all on the same page, all right? We should be actively looking for the lost people in our sphere of influence and actively praying for them so that we could be the mouthpiece, you know, preparing our own hearts, being intentional, ready and willing to be used by the Lord to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with those in our sphere of influence. Come on. This year, remember? This is just your reminder moment. This is the year where we're asking God just for one. Just one. That's so not a big deal. Just one, Jesus. Would you allow me to, to share the gospel such that it results in salvation for one person this year? That's it. Are you praying for them? This is your reminder. Are you going after the one? Who's the one in your sphere? I hope you're praying for more than one. You know, are you being diligent? I put a reminder on my phone recently because I kept sucking at it. 
<laughs> just being honest. Finally, I was like, okay, this is ridiculous. I got to put a reminder on my phone. So my calendar goes off. Pray for your, pray for your neighbor. Pray for them every day. I've got it going off now. Thank you, Jesus. I'm back on track, right? Amen. Whatever it takes, get that stuff in your life so that you can keep that in front of you. This is so important to God. It's so significant that we reach our community. I say, if we're not doing that, what are we doing? You know, we get to play church on Sunday mornings. It's all pretty and it's all fun and games. And wow, God's presence was here and we got to worship. That's great. But if everybody goes to hell in our life, <laughs> you realize that's the consequence, right? How will they know unless someone actually opened their mouths? That's us. We're the someone. I mean, then this is, this is scripture. We've got to get on this. This is the mission. This is why this church has been planted, and we've got to start to bring it. I just, I'm so excited. That I'm looking forward to the day when we get to stand at the end of the year and the entire service is devoted. You know, like how many of you were, how many of you got saved this year because your friend reached out to you and shared the gospel and the whole, the whole place, the hands go up, you know? And we just have testimony after testimony of faithful people who did not love their lives unto death. Faithful people who said, I'm not going to bow to fear. I'm not going to bow to fear. I'm going to bow to love. And love compels me to go because there's something that's weighty and significant on the line if I don't. Yeah? Just, that's just your reminder. This is what we're going after this year. Get them, Jesus. This afternoon when we go to restaurants and we ask for our waitresses and wait, waiters. Father, we ask for their salvations. We ask for words of knowledge, words of wisdom. You know, edifications, prophetic words for them. We ask for generosity, a spirit of generosity over our people that would open up a door and give opportunities. I prayed that today's our day. In fact, we're asking Jesus that you just make it super easy. You know, we have people literally just coming up to us saying, what must I do to be saved? You know, many, many years ago now, there was a guy named Smith Wigglesworth. He was sitting on a train, as the story goes, reading his newspaper, doing absolutely nothing. But the presence of God that was on him literally compelled the sinner in the same area, whatever you call it, cockpit or booth or whatever, and it compelled them. Literally, they, he throws himself at his knees. Guys reading his newspaper, you're like, what is happening right now? And literally, what, what must I do to be saved? What can I do? I was like, the presence of God on him was moving and compelling this person who didn't know Jesus to come to know Jesus. How many of you want that? Yeah. You know, I want that. <laughs> I, I want to be. I want to be the fragrance of Christ everywhere I go. You know, I want God just to, to leak off of me. I, I remember a story of Bill Johnson in the grocery store. Anybody know who Bill Johnson is? Yeah. You know, in a grocery store, just going about his normal life. How many of you know big guys in the faith actually still have to buy groceries? Right? They're just normal people. And as he's a normal person in the grocery store, some gal walks up behind him and she bam hits the ground. And he was like, "What?" And as the story goes, his first words were, "I guess I must have leaked." You know, and, and anyway, yeah, all the people come around. He says, no, 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 it's okay. Give her just a minute. God's doing something. Can you imagine? Everywhere you go. Remember when Jesus walked the earth? Demons start screaming out of people. You know, notice that demons didn't start screaming out of anybody else. Like there were a whole lot of other people around, a lot of good, you know, God-faring people. But the only one who caused demons to scream out of people was Jesus. How many of you know Jesus lives on the inside of you? And that means there's more to this life than what we're experiencing. You know, I guess I'd ask you how many of you want demons to scream out when you walk around. Probably I don't get too many hands on that one. <laughs> you know, but, there, but there's more. He's, he's, he's calling us to, to more, and there's a sacrifice in the more. At first service, I, I kind of just, I, I started out just, I've been thinking about this life that we live and as it relates particularly to the Apostle Paul's admonition that we live our Christian life like athletes. Remember when he said that? 
He says, man, I'm intentional. I'm not just, I'm not just beating the air pointlessly. He's like, I'm, I'm, I'm going after this thing. And, and when we consider that everything that we're doing now is setting us up for eternity, when we consider that everything that we're doing now is, 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 is equipping me, is, is adding things to my account and sharpening me into the likeness of Christ, but for eternity. And I think of what a, an athlete goes through you know, I, I held a, a paint gun over my head Saturday. What is today? Sunday? So yesterday. And my shoulders are not happy today. I'm switching back and forth. I must have used the left side more than the other because, mmm, I need somebody to just rub that business out back there. But how many of you know when you're an athlete, you have days where there's pain in your body? You know, and the Bible says they do it for a perishable wreath, but we do it for an, un, an imperishable wreath. Right? So if an athlete is willing to buffet their bodies and go year after year and, and sacrifice diet and sacrifice their bodies to be, you know, submit themselves to, to painful torture, how many of you actually like running 5Ks? Right? Don't raise your hand, liars. <laughs> you know, sweating and just like buffeting your body and all for a perishable wreath. But God's telling us in the Bible that, that we're doing it for something that's imperishable. We're doing this for Jesus. We're doing this to set ourselves up for eternity. And I consider that in light of the pain that we experience in our lives. And in this series, we're, we're, we're talking about, you know, how do we trust God in the middle of our pain? How do we trust God in the middle of the storm? And I, and I think of this life that we live in, the, the, the painful experiences that we have as human beings. And, and most of us, we live, we live most of our life looking for an opportunity to escape it. I mean, that's why people get hooked on drugs and have sexual addictions and everything else. Right? They're literally looking for an escape to the reality that is their existence. But if this thing, if this is a, a preparation for what's to come, if this is a preparation for eternity, then maybe the pain's actually under something. Now, I'm not suggesting even for a second that God is the source of your pain. Please hear that. The devil is the one who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus came that you would have life, life in abundance. Right? But the truth is we experience pain, and I want to submit to you this morning that it's not under nothing. That the pain that we experience, every bit of it, is an opportunity. It's an opportunity to be sharpened into the likeness of Jesus. It's an opportunity to go deeper in our character and our ethic. It's an, it's an opportunity to, to get to the place where we can actually host his power such that when we're just walking about our own normal lives, God shows up and does amazing and extravagant things. These are all opportunities. And if I fail, if I fail to keep Jesus in front of me, if I take my eyes off of my author and the finisher of my faith, then he's not going to be able to trust me with the more. If I, just, if I can't get through the storm based on his word, remember you think about the boat? He says, hey, you're going to the other side. The storm, the hurricane rises up. If I can't get to the other side on the faith from the word of God that's been declared over my life, then he can't trust me with the storms that are beyond that. And what we want to dig into today is this, and we've talked about it a little bit. My concern is that as human beings, we so often dictate to God what his provision is supposed to look like. We touched on this a couple of weeks ago. We have a narrow vision for what his provision is supposed to look like. And, and when he doesn't show up in the exact way that we think that he's supposed to, then we accuse him ill. You said you're not a man that you should lie. You didn't show up. I guess that makes you a liar. Now, maybe we don't say those words, but... We feel it in a deep way right in here. 
when we get our eyes set on a very specific outcome, it actually can create a disillusionment in us. We can become disillusioned. And in our disillusionment, we miss the great, amazing things that God is doing. How many of you have gotten caught up in that? All the time. I needed you to show up exactly like this, and because you didn't show up exactly like this, I'm saying you're not the God who shows up at all. You never seem to show up. And I'm missing the bigger picture of what he is doing because I've got myself fixed on this. And this disillusionment actually begins to create a pattern of mistrust. This pattern of mistrust will leave me shipwrecked in my life. Because if I believe for even a second that God didn't show up now because my expectations are off, then the next time, the next opportunity I have to trust Him, forget it, I'm not trusting Him. He didn't show up last time, why would I ever step out and do that crazy thing? He didn't show up last time, He's sure as heck not going to show up this time. We see some of this, we see it really throughout the Bible, but the other day in my own quiet time, I was struck by 2 Timothy in the way that the Apostle Paul approached his life, the way that he viewed God and the circumstances of his life. And it, and it begs the question, as, and it was a question for my own heart, which is, would I see these circumstances, if I was to walk in them, would I see them in the same way that the Apostle Paul did? And I'm not sure I would have. Listen to this. Verse 11 is our target. We're starting in verse 10 here. It says, Now you follow my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, faith, patience, love, perseverance, here's verse 11, and persecutions and sufferings. Such as happened to me in Antioch and Iconium and Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord rescued me. Now, I don't know how you read your Bible, but I want to encourage you not to do it as a sense of which you do your Christian duty and put a check in the box. I, I want to encourage you, if you're going to read your Bible, you know, that you're doing it to actually prepare for an encounter with God. You know, there's an opportunity to encounter the writer of that word and for you to, to not only get it on the inside of you, but, there, but, but for you to come to a new level of understanding. And so when you come across in your daily reading, which by the way, it ought to be pretty darn close to that. If it's not, find yourself encouraged in that. We got to do the basics. If you come across in your daily reading something like Abraham who, and you have no idea who that guy is, then search back in your scriptures. Take a minute to figure out who he was. And such was the case here. I thought, you know, I'm familiar with this story of Paul, but I don't remember exactly what happened in those three cities that he said that God had rescued him out. So I started flipping through and looking and reading the stories again. And I just kind of wanted to present to you again because I just, I just wonder if we would have the same perspective. In Iconium, you have Paul and Barnabas. They're, they're preaching the gospel. How many of you know those guys paid a significant price in the early days to establish the church that you and I now freely take advantage of? Right? They're, they're preaching the gospel in Iconium. And it says here that there was actually a plot that was devised by the persecutors in order to stone them. They heard in advance what the plot was, and they were able to escape the city. I'm like, all right, okay, you know, I'll give that to you. And so God rescued him. Remember, that's the premise here. I thought, you know, I'll give that to you. I'd have preferred it if you'd have shut the mouths of those opposing me. You know what I mean? If you like, like strike them all mute, send some lightning bolts, I mean, you know, a hedge of fire, 
Just because if I had been able to stay there a little longer, I'd been able to preach the gospel to more people, more people would have got saved. Maybe we could have planted a church, right? And you know, it didn't exactly go the way that I think it should have gone, but I'll give it to you. Okay, God rescued you in Iconium. You know, next place was, was Antioch. Similarly, uh, they're preaching the gospel there. And in Antioch, it says that they were driven out of the city. Now, so often we, we read the scriptures and it says something like they were driven out of the city. And I think, honestly, we just pass by that and don't think too much about it. You know, but I'm, I've got like vampire pictures in my head. You know, they, they show up with the pitchfork and the torch. You know what I mean? And like the whole entire mob. Like this, this last couple of years, we've seen some mobs, some mob activity in the earth, right? With Antifa and different things and buildings getting blown up and people getting shot and all kinds of crazy stuff, right? Imagine a mob like that with death in their eyes driving you out of their city. Okay, now I'm like, wait, God, you, you, said, you, said, you, res- you said you rescue them? Because it doesn't feel like <laughs> it's upping the ante a little bit. Okay, I, I became aware of their plot and I fled the city. Yeah, all right, I'll give that one to you. They just drove me out with pitchforks and torches. Like, they wanted to kill me. I'm like, mm, I don't know. Okay, I'll, I'll give it to you. But then we get to the last one, Lystra. Now, Lystra, you know this story so well. Lystra was the city where they actually stoned the Apostle Paul. Now, they stoned him. I'm not even going to say this. I was going to say they stoned him so bad, but they actually, like, like the whole point of stoning, you understand, was not just to punish them, but what this was to kill them, right? Like, their whole aim in launching boulders at your face is that you would not survive the exercise. We understand that, right? Hey, and so this was the case with the Apostle Paul. They stoned him until they thought he was dead, and then they dragged his corpse outside of the city gates and deposited him out there for the vultures to get him. Right? Uh, uh, scholars, I think, are, are a little bit mixed on this, but there are a lot of scholars who believe he actually died. And the next scene in the Bible shows the, the, the disciples are just surrounding him, looking down, and he raises up off the ground. Now, either he was unconscious and in some significant injury, you know, or he was dead. I'm in one of those people who's inclined to believe he probably died and was now resurrected. <laughs> now, I don't know about you, but I think Paul's definition is jacked up. Right? Remember, we started out where he was like, remember these persecutions that I had in these three different cities? How the Lord God, he's so faithful and kind. He's so generous and extravagant in all his ways. How he rescued me from all of those things. And I'm like, are you for real, bro? Like, do you even remember what happened in Lystra? Do you have the same Bible that I have? Was it like... Do you remember that they threw rocks at your face and that you died and they dragged your corpse out of the city? What do you mean God rescued you? And I wonder if we had that experience, if we would be as generous as the Apostle Paul. I wonder if that would be our assessment. I wonder if we, like him, would be able to go, oh, yes, God, you're so good. You rescued me from that situation. It becomes clear that to the Apostle Paul, the fact that he lived to fight another day meant that God rescued him. How many of us have this narrow idea? And unless it looks a whole lot more like Iconium, that was the first example where they became aware of the plot against their lives and escaped. Like, how many of us believe, like, unless it's (laughs) door number one, You're not who you said you are. You're not the rescuer. You're not the provider. You're not as good as your word says that you are. I just wonder, put yourself in the Apostle Paul's shoes. 
What would you be thinking? How would you be feeling? Would you come to this conclusion that God rescued you? And I wonder how many times in our own lives we've faced something similar and something tragic and we come out on the other side of it blaming God. Why didn't you show up? Have you ever prayed that prayer? Have you ever asked that question? Have you ever said that to somebody? Where were you when? If that's your question, you know that you've gotten to this place where you have this little expectation, this little box for God. That you've created a space for Him to show up in. Here's the target, God. It has to look like this. And if He misses the target that you've set for Him by just a little bit, you find yourself swirling in this place where you're developing a history of mistrust with Him. And you know here what the Bible says. But here you find yourself in pain. And this kind of pain is always about perception. This is where it's tricky. I know here that God is good and perfect and kind and all of that, but I hurt here because it didn't look like it and I can't reconcile that and I don't understand. We have to be able to bring that back to God and gain His perspective. Amen? For me personally, I have... I've always, or I would say always, I, I have often struggled with the character of God, particularly as it relates to the way that we evaluate the character of men. And here's what I mean. With, with men, with your peers, you know, you, we could just say it this way, trust is earned. Is that fair? You know, trust is earned. And so with the person, if they, if they break your trust, they're actually physically doing something. So you can, let's just say, you know, Justin Kugelman, raise your hand. You're so good looking. That's why you become a target today. Justin's never been on time for a meeting his entire life. Truly, I have no idea. I'm just making fun of him because he was a target. You know, so yeah. <laughs> theoretical. Justin's never been on a time for a meeting his entire life. Today, he tells me, I'm going to be on time, brother. I'm going to be there. I guarantee it. I've had 1,500 meetings with you. You've never been on time once. I'm not going to hold out hope that you're going to be on time right now. Why? Because you've broken trust with me by your life, your, your example. You have communicated to me something with your actions. Your actions have spoken louder than words. Trust is earned. You actually have to do something consistently for me to be able to trust that that's going to happen the next time, right? With God, it's a little bit different. <laughs> with God, it's a little bit different. With God, if he doesn't show up, see, if a, if a man doesn't show up, you just kind of go, okay, my trust is broken, we're, we're out, that's it, you know, you're going to you're gonna have to build that. But if God doesn't show up, how many of you know God's still faithful? Like, if, if God doesn't show up, how many of you know, like, he's still really good? Uh, he's, he's still in charge. Right? Like, so my experience of God doesn't actually dictate the character of God. And again, this is where it gets a little bit tricky. God is good without respect to my experience of Him. Why would I say that? Because my finite experience is incredibly limited. Because in my finite experience, you didn't rescue me when I took a rock to the face. My experience is finite when I've set a box for God to operate within. 
So if God doesn't show up, what we're actually saying is when God doesn't show up the way that I think he ought to. With the expectation that I've set for him, when he doesn't do exactly what I think that he ought to do. See, that's why if he doesn't show up, it doesn't break my trust because he's forever trustworthy. He's forever faithful. He's forever true. Where do we get that idea from? Where does that even come from? Why would I, why would I, why would I say that if my experience sometimes seems contrary? Because of the Word of God. See, our foundation is, is, is the Word of God, and we have to know it in order for us to be able to adequately assess what's happening because God's perspective and ours might be different because He has a 30,000-foot view, and I'm deep in the weeds. Is this making sense this morning? Many years ago, I heard this story. I'm going to embellish some of the details because it was many years ago and I'm now old. I would love to say I remember. I told Misty this last week, I've forgotten more Bible than I remember. I'm like, how do you read something every day for your whole life and somehow not remember it? I don't know. Bring it back, Jesus. (laughs) So forgive me if I embellish the details. The overall point, of course, is true. And this, this lady, as the story was told to me, true story, by the way, you know, was, was off to the airport. Actually, she was setting up a trip to go to the airport uh, for an interview, a job interview that she had in another city. You know, and, and as any of us in here would do, you know, she, of course, prayed for that meeting and prayed for the flights and prayed for you know, everything to go exactly as she wanted it to go, right? You know, but the next morning when she got up to take the flight, she realized that her alarm didn't go off. Uh, anybody ever set your alarm only to have it not go off? And you're like, I swear it's set right. I'm looking at the details right now. I have no idea why it didn't go off, you know. It's, just, it's crazy sometimes, technology, right? You know, so the alarm doesn't go off. But because the alarm doesn't go off and she gets up late, that means then she ends up in city traffic. Anybody ever been in like Dallas traffic? Oh my goodness, flew in at midnight one time and it was gridlocked on a like eight lane highway. I thought, you've got to be kidding me. I just prefer Warrensburg where there's three cars and we complain. Oh my gosh, the kids are in school again, right? There's at least four cars on the road. This is pitiful. You know, so she got caught up in the city traffic because she was delayed by the alarm clock that didn't go off. And hey, you guessed it, she missed her flight. Now, if you were in her shoes, how would you be responding in this moment? Understand, she is flying to another city to do a job interview. This is a big deal. Like, this is going to change the trajectory of her life. Like, it's that kind of a big deal. How would you be feeling? Tell you how I'd be feeling. I mean, what would your conversation with God look like? Like, like why didn't he answer her prayers? Ever felt like that? Why didn't he, why didn't he show up? We're talking about the God of all of creation. I mean, all he's got to oh, wow, he just created something. Like, almighty, all-powerful God. This was something that was so simple. You, you, you speak and something's created. We made a garbage alarm clock. Like, you could have broke in. You could have touched the alarm clock, but you didn't. Why didn't you? You knew this was a big deal. I did everything on my side. I prayed up. I was prepared. I set my alarm clock. I had my clothes out early so that I could be on time. 
Where were you? Why wasn't this as important for you as it was for me? What would your conversation with God look like? Would you be grumbling and complaining? I think I would be. Here's the thing. Most of the time, this is where our story ends. We don't know what's on the other side of those questions. Where were you when? Why didn't you show up? Why didn't you answer my prayer? That's it. That's all we got. All we know is that the morning was garbage, that absolutely nothing went right, that all of my plans were completely foiled. Everything that I had done, I had designed my way. I had organized it. I had prayed. I, had, I, read, I even read my Bible because I'm just that religious. I did all this stuff. All I know is that nothing that I put my hand to worked out. It was a garbage morning. Usually we don't know the rest of the story. We don't know why God didn't answer that prayer, supposedly. We don't know why it doesn't look like he intervened. All we know is that my plan did not work out. How many of you know in that moment we have an opportunity? (laughs) Are we going to lean in and trust that God knows what he's doing? Are we going to lean into his word? Take him at his word? Are we going to to believe that he really is good? Are we going to believe that he really is for me? Are we going to believe that he actually is working out the details, that he's in the details, that that he's moving on my behalf, that he is the God who still does miracles today? What are we going to believe? We have an opportunity in this moment. And I want to add this. Why do we always feel like the devil is so much bigger than God? Now, I know as half of you are rebelling. You're like, I don't believe that the devil is bigger. That's silly. That, that's crazy town right now that you're saying that. But somehow we get it in our heads that the devil's able to disrupt our lives more than we have this faith that God will actually tend to and keep our lives. You know, we, we missed the flight, the, the, we missed the interview, the, the job thing is, is, is wrecked, right? And we're blaming the devil, man. We're fighting him. We're like spiritual warfare 101. We're going for it. How many of you know, most of the time we're just distracted. The devil has distracted us. We've gotten off point and we're now wrestling with the devil instead of exalting God and making him bigger than the circumstances that I'm experiencing and standing in faith and expectation that this God who I know is good is going to be moving on my behalf. How many times have we faced something like this and we think in our heart of hearts, we believe that the, we believe that the job, like this is the only way that God can break through and bless me. This, is the, this was the only job opportunity that he's going to be able to use to turn my whole situation around. Like how many of you have ever felt like that? Like this, everything in my life, it hinges on this one thing. Where were you? And it reminds me of Lazarus. Remember that story? Jesus was doing ministry and his good buddy Lazarus dies. Jesus seems to take his time. He doesn't fulfill everybody's expectations. You should have been here. You should have been here three days before. And Mary meets him. And she says, if you had just been here, he wouldn't have died. How, how many of us, we look at circumstances, situations, and we think there's only one way. And if it doesn't match this way, then it's all lost, it's all hopeless. How many of you know Jesus actually has a plan? 
How many of you know he's still sitting on the throne? How many of you know that devil ain't bigger than him? He's not more powerful. He doesn't have more ability to disrupt you than God has to keep you. How many of you know in the story of Lazarus, he was moving, that he had a certain plan that he was about to execute that went far beyond their expectation? It was more than just heal him while he's alive. It was resurrect him. That's an immensely bigger demonstration of God's power. How many of you know that there's a little bit of pain in between for that family, though? And the waiting. Were they going to put their faith in God? Were they going to believe God? that he was who he says he was. And remember, that was the story, wasn't it? Do you believe, Mary? Do you believe that I am that guy? Yes, God, I believe, but you weren't here. You didn't fulfill my expectations. It didn't look like it was supposed to look. And now he's dead. Now the job is dead. Now that relationship is dead. Why didn't you move like I thought you were supposed to move? But he had a plan, and he has a plan for you. And he has a plan in your life. And he's moving right now, even when it doesn't look like it. Why can we trust God in the storm? Because he is who he says he is. And I don't have to see it with my own eyes. How many of you know we we so limit God by what we see with our own eyes, but God operates in a realm of the unseen? Why would we ever limit the God who is unseen by the things that we see with our limited eyes? We can trust God in the storm because we have rooted and grounded ourselves in the Word of God. The Word of God says that He is good and that He's true and that He's righteous and that He's faithful. And here's the other thing that we have to do. When we're faced with life circumstances and God didn't meet our little limited expectations, we have to debrief with Him. We live this fast-paced lifestyle where we're so tempted intellectually just to swipe it under the rug, to sweep it under the rug, like, like, okay, we got through it. I didn't die, so I guess it's okay. But you've got a heart wound in there. You're hurt. You're actually mad at God. You, like, you need to forgive God. You don't even know that you need to because you just keep going. Let's just keep moving. But about the third time that happens, you're starting to get worn down, and it's creating a precedent in your heart, a precedent that's trying to lie to you and, ca- and tell, cause you to believe that he can't be trusted. We have to take pause. Like, you, why, why did the plane, why did I miss the plane? Like, what is going on? I did everything right, God. I'm, this was important to me. And we take pause. We, we take inventory. We step back. How many of you know it's actually okay to ask him, where were you when? Man, get yourself, get yourself in his presence. Like, put on some worship however you get there. Get into his presence and ask him, God, that hurt my heart. Why didn't you show up when? What does that look like? What are you doing? Can you show me where you're at? Some of you need to do that over some of your past experiences because it wrote something negative. You have a negative neural pathway. You've created mistrust with God, but God was there. He was moving. He just missed your little target, and it looked different than you thought. See, in the case of our story... Interestingly enough, tragically enough, the, the plane actually went down. Arr, I was late for my, it was this, it meant everything to me. I lost the job. Arr, arr. The plane went down and crashed. Kind of hard to get your mind around that one. See, most of the time we don't know the end of the story though, right? 
Most of the time we aren't privileged to, oh my gosh, that's why God did those things. Remember I said most of the time we're stuck at the beginning of it going, I don't understand why you didn't answer my prayers. And it's in this space that we have to realize the God who is unseen is moving in the unseen realm on your behalf. Are you going to believe him? Are you going to take him at his word? Because sometimes it's, a way, it's way simpler than a plane crashing. Sometimes you just weren't supposed to be in that relationship. Sometimes you just weren't supposed to get the job. It's as simple as that. Will you trust him? Will you develop history with him? Will you debrief with him? Will you reevaluate your history with him? Because I'm telling you, most of us are stuck on this other side going, where were you when the rocks were flying at my face? Why didn't you rescue me from their hand? And I think God's perspective is, I did. I resurrected you. You got through it. I empowered you with purpose to get to the other side. And something was birthed on the inside of you that made you so much more like Jesus. And this little bit of life that we've got to experience is actually unto something way more grand than what you understand. It's unto eternity. I was working and I was moving. You have to see it from my perspective. I saved you. I resurrected you. You survived. I healed you. I brought you through. You didn't die. You lived to fight another day. Are we a kind of Christian who in the midst of these sorts of trials can genuinely count it all joy, knowing that he really truly is good, that he's for me, that he's working it in my life? You know, sometimes in the middle of it, you just have to stop and go, Father, I thank you because I know that you're doing something in me. This, pff, this is miserable. <laughs> Make no mistake about it. I don't particularly like this storm. I don't like the lightning. I can feel the hair standing up on my head. <laughs> like that was a little too close for comfort. I don't particularly like any of this, but thank you, God, that you're going to get me through. Thank you that I'm, I'm, I'm earning my stripes here. Thank you that you're developing something in me that's bigger than I understand. Thank you that you're going to get me to the other side. And you know, in that place, as we've talked about many times now, you can actually rest. You can actually rest. And you can allow the peace of God that surpasses all understanding to guard your heart in that season. Because you're rooted and you're grounded on the reality of who he is. You trust him. Because he always gets you through. Amen? Father, we thank you that this is the reality. We thank you that you're so good. Man, you're so good. Your perspective, would it be ours? Would you tweak our brains and our eyes? Would you, would you debrief us even as we sleep? We're asking over every tragedy, over every situation where we ask the question, where were you when? And we never, like, we, well, at least in our hearts, but we never engaged with you. We never got an answer. Would you rewrite the history in our hearts, God? Would you rewrite those stories? Would you begin to show us your perspective? And would you establish a brand new precedent? Because we declare right now, we are those who trust you and you're the one who is trustworthy. You're the one who is faithful and kind. You're the one who's working, who, who will never be separated from. You're the one who gives a future and a hope and all of your promises. They're yes and amen. We believe you this morning, God. 
You are who you said you are. You're going to do what you said you're going to do. And no demon in hell can stop it. They're just not big enough. No circumstances in this earth are not big enough because you far surpass all of those things and our trust is firmly grounded in you. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you would like to contact us or would like more information about our church or additional podcasts or resources, please visit us online at harvestwarrensburg.com. We hope to see you soon.